Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says everybody that has breath, praise the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. You know, there's, there's, there's an old saying in India, I don't know if you have that here. Two lions cannot be in the same den. So I made sure Pastor Don is not here. <laughs> I miss him, and, and we had a wonderful time with him in India. And uh, I'm honored and I'm humbled to be here this morning. Um, I'm part of an organization called Indian Evangelical Team. And uh, we are ministering in north part of India. Um, in the last 42 years, God has been helping us to reach the unreached. Our, our main, uh, our passion, our vision is to reach the unreached. We want to reach every village which has never, ever heard about Jesus Christ. There are more than 550,000 villages in India. Uh, and more than 450,000 villages of them have never heard who Jesus is. I said 450,000 villages. Once I was going to one of the villages with one of our pastors and we were uh, entering that village and when, when you enter an Indian village, there would be a big tree there and there would be some elderly people sitting there. They would be playing cards and they would be talking. And so I thought I would start my, uh, um, my, my time with them. And I sat with them and we started talking about things here and then and finally I asked them one question. Do you know Jesus Christ? And one of the elder men, I mean, they looked at each other and then one of them looked at me and said, Sir, we are very sorry. We don't have a man with this name in our village. This is what Indian villagers have never, ever heard about Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for what you are doing. I mean, you, you are helping us. You are partnering with us to reach those villages which have never heard about Jesus Christ. There are over 621 people tribe in one state, in the state where you are helping us, where you are supporting us. More than 600, I mean, 621 people tribe which have never heard about Jesus Christ. When I say they have never heard about Jesus Christ, they don't know who Jesus is. And the whole world has about 6,000 people tribe which have never heard. And out of those, 621 are in the state where you are partnering with us to reach with the word of God. And I want to thank you for your help. I want to thank you for your support. And I want to tell you, we are faithful in the presence of God. And we want to see that these people, the Nimadi people, are reached with the love of Jesus Christ. You are supporting us. And, and we have sent 10 missionaries to the villages. And they are going and they are sowing the seed very, very faithfully. And I know in the days to come, we will see churches in every villages of Nimadi. We have already started seeing the result. We have already started seeing the result. We, are, we have seen small congregations being set up in different villages of Nimadi people. And we know one day God is going to do a great thing. And you may, know, you, you, may, you may not know what's happening there, but why know one day when you will go to heaven, you will see your reward for your partnership that you have done to reach the tribe which, I, which would have never heard about Jesus Christ. Last year, Pastor, uh, this year, last month, Pastor Don and his team was there with us in, in uh, um, that area where uh, Tree of Life is helping us. And we went around and these 10 pastors came there and uh, Pastor Don spent 
quality time with them. And I remember, this is, I'm, not, I'm not praising him, I'm not telling you uh, anything uh, uh, big, but what touched me, he, he came there, and I don't, I don't know if, if he would, I, I know he would not like me to share this, but he was there, and there were 10 of our uh, pastors and their wives, they were there, and he was sitting with them, and he just got up and said, you know, I'm there, I'm your pastor, I would pray for you, and I would be there every day with you. And he did not stop with them. He and his wife, Jessamy, they washed the feet of every pastor of ours. He washed the feet of every pastor. With tears in his eyes, that touched me. And then our pastors, I was talking to our pastors, they said, how can we ever leave this Jesus? How can we ever forget this Jesus? How can we ever not take this Jesus to villages? Even our own people, we are from untouchable group. Our own people rejected us. Our own people did not care for us. But here is a white man who comes with the love of Jesus Christ. He not only hugs us, he not only talks to us, but he's here washing our feet. Nobody other than who has Jesus in their life can do it. I want to tell you, church, you have a wonderful pastor. You have a pastor who has a father's heart. And I'm so blessed to be in this church this morning. And I feel the presence of God here. There's a, there's a presence, I, I feel that powerful presence of God. And I want to tell you, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. And we will rejoice. Hallelujah. We will rejoice because he is giving us victory over our defeats. Yeah. We will rejoice because he's turning our mourning into dancing. We will rejoice because he's turning our sickness into healing. And we will rejoice because he's turning every nation, he's turning every village in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you the days are coming when we are going to see every tribe, every nation will stand up and worship the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. For there is no name greater than the name of Jesus. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And nobody can limit him. Nobody can limit him. And I know we are going to see it in our generation. We will not let it go to the next generation. We will see that Jesus is worshipped in every nation. As a team, we have a passion. As a team, we have a desire. We want to reach every village. No matter what price we have to pay, no matter what, what difficulties or what persecution we go through, every day you would be hearing about the challenges and the persecution we are going through. Last Thursday, two of our young pastors, if you have their pictures, if you could just put it up on the screen for me, please. They, they, were, they, were, they were taken to the prison. There they are. They were taken into the prison. What was the reason? They were having a prayer group in a family with about four adults. They were having a, they were, they were sitting there praying inside a house. Suddenly mob came and they started, they, they called them out and they started beating them and they, they, they had beaten them black and blue and the police came and the police took them to the police station and they were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We sent emails all over the world. Churches started praying, and I know you also prayed. This church also prayed. And Saturday, Sunday is a holiday for the courts in India. And this week also is a holiday because of the big festival that we have in India. And we thought we are not going to get these pastors out for a long time. But 
people prayed, and I believe prayer is something which moves the hands of the Almighty God. You know what happened? 12 o'clock midnight, 11 o'clock, the judge came to the court. It never happens in India. It, he, he asked the courts to be open, and he got these two young brothers there, and he talked with them, and 12 o'clock midnight, they were set free without any charges. How did this happen? Because we have a living God. I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for what you're doing. On July 10th, one of our pastors, he went to a village to, to share the gospel. He had been to that village several times, and we have a church there. And, and he was coming back, maybe at 8.30 in the evening. It was drizzling. And he was coming back, and uh, there was a small culvert, or a bridge, you would call it, uh, which he had to cross. And he had been through that many times, and there was water flowing over it. And he was confident he could, he could get over it. And as he came to that small bridge, flash flood came from the mountains, and swept our brother away. We did not get his body. He has a wife and three small children. We went, our leaders went to our, our sister. She's a, they, are, they were a cross-cultural ministers from South India. We went to them and we said, would you go back to your own people? Be comforted. You can stay with your own people. You go back and uh, we will take care of you. We will take care of the education of your children. If God provides us money, we will try to build you a small house in your native place. You know, she looked at and said, my, my husband gave his last breath to save the people in this area. I am not going to go back. I am going to be here till the end of my life. Church, that's the passion we have. That's the desire we have. Three of our sister once for their faith, they were gang raped. Because the village came to know about Jesus Christ and the, the, many people came to know Jesus Christ and as a result, the, the mob came, the, the anti-Christian mob came to, to, to harass them, to beat them. The whole village ran to the, to the woods to, to save themselves. But this lady, she was four to five months pregnant. She could not go. And, 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 the, and everybody said, okay, you stay back here. And her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law, they stayed back there thinking that they would not do any harm to her because one is old and one is pregnant. But you know what happened? This, this anti-Christian people came when they found nobody there except these three ladies. They gang raped them again and again and again and again. Next day, we, our leaders reached there. We went to police station. The police would not take a complaint. But our sister had a smile on her face. She said, I've forgiven them because I know about Jesus. I have a God who forgives and she's busy even today. She's not a missionary. She's one of our believers. She's busy even today taking the gospel to the villages where nobody has gone. I want to tell you, church, we want to reach these people with the love of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for your support. You are making a difference in North India. I want to tell you about two of your missionaries that you support us. There's one called uh, uh, Dilip, well, Brother Dilip. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, yeah, Dilip. He's, he, was, he was a man who never knew about Jesus Christ. But one day, one of our missionaries went and told him about Jesus Christ. He's from Nimari group. And then he came to our Bible school and he studied there for two years. And now he's back uh, uh, preaching the gospel. And he has, he has touched many lives and many villages. But about three, four months back, he was in a family with two families sitting together. And they were praying God. They were the only two families that came to know Jesus Christ through his ministry. And he was there praying with them. It was about nine o'clock in the evening. A big crowd of anti-Christian people came and they started banging the door. And when 
when one of our believers opened the door, they said, we want the pastor out. We want to, we want to, we want to have him here. They wanted to beat him, maybe kill him. I don't know what. And our believers knew it was going to be dangerous. So they asked the pastor to be inside and they were trying to talk to these people and they would not listen. Finally, our believers, you know what they did? They broke open the back wall of their house. They ripped it open to get our brother out from that back, back wall and he, he was made to escape from there and there was another believer standing with a motorbike to take him in the night. If, he was, if that was not done that night, maybe he, was killed, he would have been killed. And then those believers said, don't come back here. Our leader said, don't go back there because your life is in danger. He said, no matter what happens, even if I lose my life, I don't care. I'm going to go back there and I'm going to be there till I see a church being planted. There's another brother whose name is Bharat. He's physically handicapped. He tried to commit suicide three times. But then one day one of our pastor went and talked to him and then he came to know about Jesus Christ, gave his life, came to a Bible school, studied, a Nimadi guy, your own guy. Now he went to villages, he was not allowed to enter the villages. He slept on the outskirts of villages for many, many days on the playground of a school. But he prayed, God, I want you to do great things. God did miracles through his life. One lady who was on the bed for, uh, one lady who was demon possessed, he prayed and she was healed. And there was another person who was paralytic, he prayed and he was healed. And then people saw the, the miracles that God was doing. And today he has a church there, a small church there. He may not be able to walk properly because he's handicapped, he has a polio. But he says, no matter what happens, I'm going to preach the gospel. Church, I want to encourage you, every penny that you give in our hand, it goes directly to win souls in North India. And I want to thank you for that. We want to see that India is being reached with the love of Jesus Christ. We also work, in in last 42 years, God has helped us to plant over 10,000 churches in North India. 10,000 churches. In last one year alone, we planted over 700 churches in North India. We baptized more than 15,000 people. When I say 15,000 people, they are first, first generation Christians who had heard about Jesus Christ for the first time in their life. Over 50,000 people gave their life to Jesus. People ask, how does this happen? There's a lot of persecution, there's a lot of challenge in India. How does it happen? I have only one answer, because people around the globe are praying for India. And when we pray, we, think, we see things happening. So I would, I would like to encourage you to remember us in your prayer. In the month of August, on, on 14th of August, three of our leaders and myself, we were trying to go to Bhutan. Bhutan is a closed country. You cannot go there with the gospel. And we four went to the border and, and we applied for our visa to go to Bhutan. They denied us visa saying that you are Christians, you are coming here to share about Jesus Christ. But then we talked with, with, with the top officer. He gave us a visa for 24 hours. We, we went right up to the capital, driving eight hours, and we were there, and we, we felt we were being followed by police officers who were in civil dress. And, and we, 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 we prayed there, and we talked with few Christians, and we came to know there are close to 200 churches in Bhutan. And we are proud as an organization, Indian Evangelical team has planted 17 churches in south of Bhutan. I'm going there again. In the in, in, in first few months of the 2016, I'll be going again to Bhutan. They have flagged me, but I'm going again. If I'm arrested, I'm arrested, but I'm going for Jesus Christ. 
We have a passion. We want to reach these people. So would you pray for us? Would you pray that God will use us to reach the unreached? And I want to thank you once again. Every dollar that you give us makes a difference. You give us one dollar, we will buy a New Testament and give it to somebody who has never heard about Jesus Christ. You give me five dollars, I'll buy a Bible and give it to one of our new believers. You give me eighty dollars, I'll buy a bicycle and give it to one of our pastors who can go to even more villages. In, in our state and in one of the states, the rule has come that you cannot have Sunday worship, worship anywhere other than a church building. Why? Because the government is against us. They don't want us to worship. And 95% of our people gather together on Sunday, either on, if you have that picture, if you can show, they, they, they gather under a tree or they would be gathering under a hut. We don't have a church building and, and the government is saying that we don't want that to happen. But we know we have a God who will provide for us. And I know one thing, if God is with us, Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, if God is with us, who can be against us? First John, First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in me than that is in the world. So thank you for your prayers. And I would encourage you to come to India sometime. Come and see what God is doing there. This morning I want to share a little bit from the word of God and as I share I would, I would also tell a little bit about what we are doing. Why don't we just close our eyes for a minute. Father, we just come in your presence. Lord, we want to thank you for everything that you are going to do in our midst. And thank you for the great things you are doing across the nations, oh God. And Lord, as we come into your word, we want you to speak to us, Lord. We don't want to hear a man's voice, but we want to hear your voice. Bless us all together. We give all the glory to the Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to take you to 2 Kings chapter 4. I want, to, I want to speak to you maybe for a few minutes about what God has spoken into my heart. But don't look at me, you know. Look at God. Somebody asked me, what is your bio data? Somebody asked me, what's your curriculum? And I said, I'm a donkey. The donkey, you know, Jesus wanted a donkey once. And he sent his disciples, go get that donkey. And this donkey was a, I mean, beaten every day. He was carrying load every day. And nobody cared for him. But this day, the donkey was called. And suddenly, people were throwing their shirts. They were showing the, the leaves. And they were just shouting. And donkey did not understand what's happening. The same people who were beating me, the same people who were, who, were, who were putting their loads on me, today they are saying, come on, donkey. He did not understand what was happening. But then he turned around and he saw it was because there was somebody on top of him. The difference came because Jesus was there. I'm that kind of one. Second Kings chapter four. And if you don't know where is Second Kings, I'll tell you where it is. It is between Genesis and Revelation. You want a better clue? Second Kings is just before First Kings. And you don't know where is First Kings? I'll tell you. It's just before Second Kings. Bible is so simple. Second Kings chapter four, verse one. And certain women of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditors are coming to take my two sons away to be slaves. Here we see a lady who is in problem. 
What's the problem in front of us? The problem is that the people from whom they have borrowed money, they are coming to get the money back. And, and the culture of those times or the tradition of those times was that if you have borrowed money from somebody, if you do not pay back in time, your children will be taken into captivity. Your sons would be taken into captivity. And this lady did not have the money. And so the creditors are coming and saying, we are going to take your sons into captivity. These are the only hope she has in her life. I mean, her husband has husband has died and and in her old days these two sons are going to be her source of bread and now they are going to be taken into captivity and she does not know what to do the tradition was unless you pay back the the whole money with the heavy interest your children will you can get back your sons otherwise they would be in captivity all their life and so she does not know what to do if i was in her place you know what i would have done i would have run to my my, my relatives i would have run to my friends i would have run to a banker and i would have tried to find a temporary solution to my problem or i would have gone to a money lender who would give me money at a higher rate of interest just to get my problem solved for few days but this lady is not teaching us that you know what she's teaching i am not going to rely on any man they would give me a temporary solution maybe they would reject me they would they would dishonor me but i will run into the presence of god who will give me a permanent solution She's saying, I'm not going to run to any man, but I know one person who will give me a permanent solution to my problem. Church, I want to tell you this morning, you have a God who will give you permanent solution to your problem. I don't know what problem you are in. You might be having some sickness. You might be having some financial problem. You might be having some family problem. But this morning, I want to tell you, you have a God who can give you a permanent solution to the problem you are in. For he is greater than the problem you have in your life. Can I have an amen? The Bible says in Psalms chapter 20 verse 7, some have their trust on the chariots, some put their trust on the horses, but I have my trust on the living God. Who is saying this? King David is saying this. He's not shepherd anymore, but he's sitting on the royal throne. He's the mightiest king of Israel. And he's saying this, and I, I, I picturize it like this. Probably he looked right in front of him, and there he saw those beautiful, mighty Arabian horses standing there, which could outbeat any other battlefield animals. And, and he looked at them, and he said, this can fail me. He looked at the other side, and he saw his intellectuals. He saw his, his advisors. He saw his uh, counselors, and he said, these people can reject me one day they can deceive me one day and he would he looked at the other side he saw his treasure he saw his gold his wealth and everything he said this can this can perish and he looked at the fourth side and he saw his chariots there mighty chariots which can defeat any army which can outrun any other any other army but he looked at all this at the four sides and he said all these can fail me but i have a god who will never fail me I have a God who will never fail me. Everything in this world can fail me, but I have a God who will never leave me, who will never forsake me until the very end. Church, I want to tell you, you have a God. You have a God who will never let you down. I have a beautiful family. I have two kids. My daughter is 14 and my son is uh, 10 years old. When my wife was pregnant with our first child, that was this, uh, it was in the month of December 31st, 2001, I took her for a regular checkup. She was seven months pregnant. 
first of January 2002, I'm go, uh, 2002, I'm going for a mission trip for about 40 days. Uh, so I took her for a regular checkup. And the doctors checked her and, uh, and, and called me inside and said, Mr. Work is the child inside your mother's, uh, your wife's womb is not doing good. This child could die any day because the heartbeat is very, very low. And I said, doctor, I'm leaving tomorrow to South India for, for, for 40 days. She said, you should not do this. I said, I have to go because my Jesus is calling me. She would not understand that. And I did not care if she did not understand. We went home and we, we knelt down and we started praying. And suddenly I felt the spirit of the Lord telling me, son, stand still and see the salvation of God. The battle belongs to the Lord. The doctors told me that the maximum your wife can pull with this child is 13th January and by then we have to do an operation and take out this child. And I went, and I was going to come back only in the first week of February. I went, we all kept praying. 13th January passed by, 31st January passed by, nothing happened. I came back on 3rd of February 2002. It was a Sunday. We went for a Sunday service, came back. Late in the night, my wife started de developing problems. 4 o'clock in the morning, I rushed her to the hospital. And doctors checked her and said, the baby inside is almost dead. No heartbeat. We have to do an operation. And they were believing to, 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 to have a stillborn baby. And I said, you can, you, you can do what you want to do, but I know I have a God. And they took my, my wife into the operation theater. And I kept praying. And I, I knew one thing. My trust is not on these doctors, but my trust is in the living God. And I prayed like this, God, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, destroy and kill. But you have come to give life and life in abundance. So I believe in you. I trust in you. And I know you can do miracles for you are here to give, give life. And I kept praying. And after two hours, probably the midwife came, the nurse came and handed over a beautiful young girl in my hand and said, Mr. Vergis, this is your daughter. I looked at her and I smiled and I prayed for her. Suddenly the cardiologist, the best cardiologist of my state, he asked for my, my child to be brought to him to do a medical checkup because the heart is not doing good. And they did a checkup and the doctor called me into his office and he was scratching his head literally like this. And he was playing with his pen. And he said, Mr. Vergis, I want to tell you one thing. In 27 years of my medical practice, I have never seen a miracle like this. This child was almost dead two hours back, but now has a 100% healthy heart. Let's put our trust in the living God. I looked at the doctor and said, doctor, you are seeing the first miracle in your life, but I see miracles every day. Because I have a God who is a living God. And how blessed we are church that we don't worship the creation, but we worship the creator of the creation. When we see people around us worshiping the creation, we are so blessed that we worship the king of kings who created everything that we see around us. Let us have our trust on the living God. Once I was preaching in a place and a lady came forward, I was preaching about the blood of Jesus Christ and then she came forward and said, would you pray for me? I've heard about Jesus Christ for the first time, but I believe that his blood can do, 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 do miracle in my life. And I asked, what do you want me to pray for? And she said, I am an HIV patient. I never had one before to pray for. And I said, what do you want? She said, I want to be healed. I have only three months to live. I said, I'm going to pray for her. And I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That's all I prayed for her. And you know what happened? Two months later, she called me. And I thought she's going to tell me that I'm going to die. Would you pray for a peaceful death? But she looked at me. She, she called me and said, Pastor, I went for a blood checkup. And my blood checkup came today. And I do not have any HIV virus. Hallelujah. 
trust in the Lord. This lady is teaching us we need to trust in the living God. When we will trust in him like this lady, when we will trust in him like David, you know, I want to tell you, you will see victories in your life. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 125 verse 1, those who trust in the living God are like Mount Zion. Psalms 1 says those who trust in the living God are like a tree planted by the rivers and whatever he, whatever, your Bible might be saying something that he does. No, 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 no. My Bible says whatever he does, he will find success in that. Your success is not your family background. Your success does not, be, uh, does, not, uh, does not relate to your qualification. It does not relate to your money. But I want to tell you, if you want to be a successful person, you need to trust in the living God. Amen. And this lady went to Elisha and said, and Elisha asked her one question. What, what, what was the problem she was facing? Her, her children were going to be taken into captivity. The next generation, her next generation is going to be ta- taken into captivity by the enemy. She's worried about her next generation. Church, we also have this problem today in front of us. Our next generation is being taken into captivity every day by the enemy. Our young generation, 14 years, 16 years, 18 years, we see them under the alcohol, we see them under the influence of drugs, we see them in the discotheque. I don't know about you, but when I see young children in these wrong places, my heart cries out. I want to tell you, church, the younger generation does not belong to the bar, the younger generation does not belong to the discotheque, but they belong to the church. I did not hear an amen. The next generation belongs to the church. And who will do it if we will not do it? As an organization, we reach 30, close to 35,000 kids every week with the love of Jesus Christ. 35,000 kids. Our pastors go to slum areas, they go to villages, they go to the highways and byways and in in different places where nobody can go. They go there and they they gather children together and they tell them about Jesus Christ. They they, they, They tell the stories of how God can do miracles in their life. And I want to tell you, it it does wonders. We are reaching, last week we reached 34,000 plus kids with the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because this lady is teaching us that we need to worry about our next generation. And Elisha answered one question, let me go very quickly because the time clock is ticking away. In India, we don't preach according to watches. We preach according to calendars. You like that? You want me to preach it? (laughs) Elisha answered one question, what do you have? I love this. If I was in a place, I would have said, come on, man of God, if I had something, why would I come to you? Because I don't have, that's why I'm coming to you. No, she, she, she did not say like that. She kept thinking, if I have something in my house, probably she would have thought, do I have some money? No, I don't have. Do I have some property? No, I don't have. Do I have some gold? No, I don't have. Do I have some rice in my house? No, I don't have. But she kept forcing. She did not say, I don't have. But she kept thinking, what do I have? And finally, she, 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 she learned that there is a little oil in her house. And she said, I have little oil in my house. Church, I want to tell you, she was not complaining about what she does not have, but she was praising God on what she has. I want to tell you this morning, we should not be the people who will complain about what we don't have, but let's praise God for what he has given us. 
Let's praise God for what he has given us. She said, I have little oil because she knew she serves a God who can use anything to do a miracle. I want to tell you, you have a God who can use anything to do a miracle in your life. I probably believe if there was no water, there was no oil in the house, she would not have given up. She would have kept thinking and thinking and thinking and maybe she would have thought, I have just little water in my house, just a bottle of water. She would not have given up. She would have told Elisha, I have little water in my house because she knew and we know we have a God who turns water into wine. Are you with me this morning? (laughs) Don't complain about what you don't have. God has given us enough. And what happened? I remember about that young boy who was sitting there in, in the crowd where there were 5,000 men and Jesus asked Philip, one of his disciples, come on, get food for all these people, they're hungry. You know what happened? I think Philip almost had a heart attack. <laughs> I don't have that money. He was complaining about what he does not have. Aren't we like that many times? But there was a young boy. He got up and said, I got, what do you have? Five bread and two fish. The person sitting next to him would have said, boy, don't dare to go there. Jesus will throw you back. He's not asking for for five, but he's asking for 5,000 men. But he would have said, no, 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 no. I heard it right. Jesus is asking who got food and I got food. You think he was the only one who had food? I probably guess there were many people who had food. There would have been somebody who had a hamburger in in his bag. Probably he was from Texas. I love your food. And his wife would have given him and said, honey, when you are hungry, just go under a tree and eat it. Don't give it to anybody. And he was keeping it in there, complaining about what he does not have. And there would have been many people like that. But this young boy was not thinking about what he does not have, but he was praising God on what he has. And what happened, you know it. And I want to tell you, church, our God is not a God of addition. He is a God of multiplication. Give what you have and he will multiply it. He will multiply it. In the year 1972, one man named P.G. Vargas, he was in Indian Army. He left his job and God called him and went into the mission field obeying in 100%. He went to the northern part of India, the most difficult place, in the most challenging place and started preaching the gospel. And he never thought he could do it, but he gave everything that he had. And because of one man's vision, brother, $100 for one photo. (laughs) One man, because he gave everything in the hands of Jesus, You know what happened? What started as one church, today we have over 10,000 churches. You know what happened in the last 42 years because this one man gave himself and did not complain about what he does not have, but he said, God, I'm giving everything that I have. You know what happened? Indian evangelical team became the largest church planting organization in Southeast Asia. Why? Because... He was ready to give what he had. Let us give what we have. Let's give what we have. Let's not complain. You know, we can have 100 things to complain about on what we do not have, but let's praise God for what we have. And what happened? 
She went home and Elisha told her, gather vessels and don't gather few vessels, gather as many as possible to save her next generation, to, say, to give a breakthrough. She just, she did not, she, she could not handle it with one vessel. She needed many vessels and there were many vessels required to set the next generation free. And she gathered, her sons went around the village. They went to different houses and they gathered their vessels. And I believe and I strongly believe all the vessels were not of the same size and of the same shape. They all were different. Maybe one was tall, one was short, one was round, one was tall, one was uh, uh, big, one was short. I don't know, one was ugly looking, one was very beautiful looking, I don't know, one fat, one tame, but they all these vessels, no matter what kind of vessels they were, but all these vessels were needed to bring a miracle in a life, all these vessels were needed to set the next generation free, church I want to tell you, God needs you to be a vessel in his hand to save the nations, God needs you as a vessel in his hand. You may be educated, you may not be educated, you may be rich, you may be poor, you may be white-skinned, you may be dark-skinned like me, but God needs you as a vessel. If you will be ready to give yourself as a vessel in the hands of God, I want to tell you, God will do mighty things through you. I remember a story, one of a pastor went to a village in Rajasthan where, nobody, where, where, where they had never heard about Jesus Christ before. He went there and he, he shared about Jesus Christ. He, he told them how Jesus had raised Lazarus from death. These people heard about Jesus Christ for the first time. And 15 days later, the very house in his courtyard, he shared the gospel that the elder daughter of this family died. And suddenly the mother of this girl remembered, I heard about a man who came and told about a God who can uh, raise people from death. And she started praying, but she did not know how to pray. You know what she prayed? God of that man who came here and shared about. But she was ready to be used as a vessel. She was illiterate. She was from a very poor family. Never seen the outside world beyond her village. But she knelt down and she started praying. In the evening, people got together to take the body to be cremated, but she would not let it go. She said, I want to, give me one more day because I've heard about a God. She was ready to be used as a vessel. And you know what happened? The whole night, she and her sister, they just sat there and they kept praying. Next day morning, by 11 o'clock or so, this girl started moving her fingers. She came back to life. She's alive even today. And how did this happen? No mighty man of God went to that village, but when she was ready to be used as a vessel in the hand of God, the Shekinah of God came down and God used her in a mighty way. Are you ready to be used? We may make hundreds of excuses that God cannot use us, but if you're ready to give yourself, God will use you as a mighty vessel. There There was one of our missionaries who went to one of the villages to preach the gospel. Nobody heard about Jesus before there. And there was a man there who had a very good tire business and his business started going down and he sold his house and everything was in bad condition, everything was in chaos. And finally, he thought he would commit suicide with his family, two children. He went to the market to buy the poison, but one of our missionary was there. He gave him a book called Key to Miracle and the Holy Spirit started speaking to him. He read that book and he, he forgot about buying the poison. He prayed, God, if you can do miracle in this man's life, do it in my life also. Heard about Jesus Christ for the first time. And to tell you the story in short, 
In three months time, this man was a debt-free man. And today, we have a Sunday service happening in his house every Sunday. We have a church there. How did this happen? Because a missionary was ready to go there to be used as a vessel. Because somebody was ready to give us over $100 every month to send a missionary to that village. Because somebody gave us one or two dollars to print this book and give it to somebody. Are you ready to be used as a vessel? I'll tell you my own story and I'm closing. I was six when I lost my mother. My life was very hard. My father was a missionary with the same organization. I remember going to school without lunch boxes. When, when, when my friend would have lunch, I would sit under the tree and cry. My life was very bad. But what, till ninth grade, I did not even wear a shoe. I did not, I mean, my life was bad. But one day, some, one, one, somebody said, I'm going to sponsor this child to go to a good school. And this man, every day, every month, faithfully paid my fees into a good school. I think he was from New Braunfels. <laughs> After coming here, I realized that because you guys are so good. <laughs> anyway, he paid my fees and I studied hard and I, 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 God blessed me. And today I, I, I travel around and preach the gospel and I've seen hundreds and thousands of people coming to Christ through my ministry. But I believe one thing more than me, the person who invested into my life, who, who paid my fees, will be rewarded higher than what I will be rewarded because he was ready to be used as a vessel in the hands of God. This morning I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Do you want to be a vessel in the hands of God? God will just pour his spirit into your life. I, 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 I just close with two more things. This lady, you know, she would not have just started putting the, 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 the oil straight away inside the vessel. She would have checked every vessel inside. If there was any vessel dirty, she would have cleaned it. She would have sanitized it. This morning I want to tell you, if you want to be used by God, if you want to be used by the Holy Spirit, if you want to be anointed, you need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ you need to be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and what happened every vessel was filled to the brim they, they were filled to the maximum when my God will anoint, anoint you he will anoint you to the maximum you, you will see miracles and wonders happening through your life and finally she asked her sons do we have any more vessels and they said no more they should have run to the next district they should have run to a different place and gathered many more vessels as long as there were vessels there would have been a outflow of the blessing this morning I want to tell you the magnitude of your blessing is not decided by God but you limit the magnitude of your blessing we hope that you enjoyed this message you can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org we'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas or you can watch us on live stream Thank you again for listening.